joining us. This is Paul Wilson. And Chris Emke. And you're listening to Diesel Performance Podcast. Chris, Ultimate Call-Out Challenge is over. Yeah, nah, yeah, right. <laughs> I was going to say I didn't go, but I watched all the live feed. It looked like a great time. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, hey, to a couple of competitors out there, we are still going to reach out uh, and try to get a couple more guys on. Chris Buheider, who is in the top three, uh, and a handful of other competitors that we wanted to bring back on the show and talk to them about their experience. But I thought, personally, I could use a bit of a break. Yeah. So what we did was uh, something that Chris constantly ignores, uh, which is wow. go back into our Facebook page and look at what are some of the messages that people are sending us. Um, I love how you put me on blessed like that. <laughs> uh, guys, I am just joking. That is actually my side of it. And I apologize uh, to the handful of guys who have reached out to us. Ignorant it ass. may have been a little bit since I since I checked on that. Uh, we will be more diligent, but it gave us a great opportunity to grab four awesome messages that I got with excellent topics that I thought we could kind of put together in today's show. Uh, before we dive in too far, though, I do just want to give a moment uh, to hear from our sponsors. Upgrade the factory transmission oil cooler in your truck with the XDP Extra Cool Direct Fit Transmission Oil Cooler. The XDP Extra Cool Direct Fit Transmission Oil Coolers provide you with an upgraded bolt-on design. Each transmission cooler is built with a high-efficiency core to maximize cooling. Designed as a direct fit replacement, this transmission cooler comes ready to install with all the brackets, hardware, and accessories needed for installation. To find out more about the XDP Extra Cool Direct Fit Transmission Oil Coolers, check out xdp.com or find a local dealer near you. Worldly Custom Fabrication is known for their world-class powder coating, S300, S400, traction bars, and all sorts of other just really, really cool parts for your Duramax, Cummins, and I think even a few Power Stroke parts here and there. Today, we're gonna to be talking about the 2020 GMC 2500 and 3500 Fender Flare Billet Marker Light Delete Kit. Uh, so the, these brand new L5Ps have the marker lights and a lot of guys don't like them. Just flat out, just a lot of guys are not into that look. What they would prefer to have is a color matched billet piece right there to delete that light kit and have it just look a little bit cleaner on the truck a little bit less flashy so it's kind of a really cool understated exterior piece um and i think it's one of those that it's pretty easy to scan over but once you see it you're like oh i get it and i love it uh so these will help you clean up the look of your 2020 gmc sierra or denali hd truck by replacing the amber fender flare marker lights with these cad designed cnc machined billet aluminum marker light delete plates from wc fab available with machine WC Fab logo or without in raw aluminum, or of course, but what you're all gonna choose, paint matching of fine texture or fine texture black powder coat to blend into the OEM black plastic fender flare trap. Installs very, very easily. It's a couple of simple hand tools, comes with everything that you guys are gonna need to install it. Uh, if you are thinking about it, or if you have one and you'd like to clean up the look a little bit, no problem at all. Jump over to wcfab.com and you'll be able to find that part right away. The other sponsor I wanted to talk about today is Exergy Performance. With their background in OE development and manufacturing, Exergy Performance brings a unique perspective to the high performance world. They know what features and specifications need to be to ensure proper function. They know how to produce them and they know how to verify that they're correct. The verification process and the equipment that they use is very untypical of a standard diesel repair shop. It, it actually allows them to look at many more system performance characteristics beyond just the average fuel output, which is how most shops will just test it. Uh, what they test is actually from idle to full power using factory calibration points and a few points of their own uh, that they've added for the high performance market. They can fully map a set of injectors uh, and have done so for I don't know, a, a countless number of, of people out there. Uh, the guys who are running at the very top of the industry are running Exergy. The guys who are running their normal street truck are running Exergy. Every one of our employees who has a modified set of injectors is running Exergy. There's a reason that we use them time and time again. 
if you guys are looking for more, uh, you can check out Exergy's website, uh, but you're probably best off giving a call over to DuramaxTuner.com, um, giving a call over to WC Fab, giving a call over to uh, any of their distributors who are out there. Also, if you need technical assistance and you've bought from a distributor, uh, I believe you can still reach out to Exergy if you need to. All right, we're back. Uh, guys, like I said at the top of the show, we are going to be hearing from our listeners today. So this is another great chance for you guys to participate with the show. Hey, another excellent place to reach out to us is go over and join Fans of Diesel Performance Podcast Facebook group. Uh, that is a place that I actually do check my notifications and I try to stay very active in. Chris, I know you're in there as well. Yeah, yeah, time to time. Time to time, right? Uh, so let, let without any further ado, first message today came from David Kaminsky. I've listened to a couple of your podcasts. I have a 2019 L5P. I will start by saying I have the WC Fab, WC Fab Charge Air Cooler Piping and Turbo Inlet Horn. I also have a Banks Intake and 4-inch SCR Back Exhaust. I also run the Banks Derringer and Pedal Monster with iDash. I am currently still having issues with soot accumulation. After a complete regen, my spot load goes up to 35% instantly, and then climbs back up to 100% and regems, regens two to three times per tank of fuel. I looked at the injector balance rates. They're all within plus or minus one. My goal was to get as much air through the engine as possible to limit soot accumulation. Do you guys offer any better products or replacement options for the products I currently have that would make my truck run more efficiently? Also, with that said, my MPG is right around 12 to 13, mostly highway, but averaging about 45 miles per hour. Um, Chris, we've run into this before. Yeah, I mean, this is <clears throat> this is a carbon copy of, of questions and inquiries that I get on a daily basis, okay? And I think the best way that I describe it to guys is you're newer to diesel or you buy a newer truck, you go online, you see what's available and pressure modules or boxed programmers as what us in, in the tuning world call some of the other products that are on the market. These are your generic banks, your edge, your SCT, your bully dogs, right? These are just household name programmers. They're the run of the mill, your entry level stuff and they market so well, right? They, they do. And, and and I'll be honest, after looking at some of the marketing from all of the brands that, yep. that you just mentioned, they really appeal to the idea that you're going to have a small increase in power that's going to be safe and wildly effective. Yep. Um, and, and we've seen that. We've run yep. smaller tunes. We have like heavy toe tunes yeah, and things yeah. like that that are smaller horsepower gains. But I think one of the fundamental differences, if you're at home and you're like, I'm not sure what a custom tuner is because I, I have an auto caller, I have an easy link. Well, we all have hardware that, that could be misconstrued as pretty similar. If you're brand new to truck tuning, yep. one of the big things I will say is that with box programmers like like what we're referencing here is that you have to wire in to different modules underneath the, right. the, well, that, the, the uh, hood there. And so, that, that's going to be a big indicator that you have a boxed uh, or canned kind yeah, of tuning I, setup. I, I like how you, you you broke that down. Yes, and I think from a new uh, a new person looking in on this industry, custom tuning can be really scary. Like sure. just that term. Like, what do you have that you know banks, which is a you know again a, a modulation box programmer like well it's known a and respected right, name. Right, right, right. Yeah. So, what do we get out of this? Right. Like let, let's let, let's break this down. You have a box style programmer, a modulator, right? That you have to plug into certain sensors of the ECM, or sensors miss pressurizing or miss signaling what the ECM is telling the truck to do. That's right. What you get out of this is or why this is 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 it's really hard to get into the L5P ECM for one, right? For this specific application. So, box programmers will come in and they'll over manipulate certain parameters to get minimal gains out of the truck. Better throttle response. The pedal monster um, get a little bit of a more aggressive fueling down low modulating the injectors that come in at an earlier time or fuel pressure to spike or however they end up going about what they're going to go about you gain a little bit of power and you actually feel that seat of the pants right your windshield experience is going to be enhanced from this yeah but there are a lot of byproducts there's a lot of aftermath that they don't talk about and i think with these newer trucks being emissions on it's more crucial than what it was for a 2002 truck 
Sure. Okay. So it's very common, right, for what uh, what David had mentioned is, you know, he's regening two to three times per tank. Well, an L5P has a smaller DPF canister for starters. They do regen more frequently than what we have seen in, like, the LML platform. Yeah. Um, I would say 150 to 200 miles in between regens are, like, pretty pretty normal for a stock truck and i have seen with some of the box programmers not singling one out but i've seen these trucks regen every 60 70 miles i've heard yeah right so first and foremost for david i would want to return the truck back to stock and see how the truck responds okay that that's number one um from there that's going to give you a really good understanding if it is a mechanical issue or if it is a tuning issue well and i want to point this out 12 to 13 is low so when you're talking about miles per gallon uh, I would expect out of an L5P, high teens would be really normal, right. mid to high teens, depending on how you drive it. An average of 45 miles an hour, that might sound low, but what that might be is some mixed driving. So I have to drive to get to the highway, then I get to drive on the highway, yeah. and then I get off and I have to well, drive through city. Also You're going to average about 45 there. David also hasn't shared what size tire he's on. Like There's there's a lot of variables here that I would want to get more in depth on and, and that's where I'm on the phone. Th- that's where I'm going with this as well, because one of the things that I noticed here is we, we've added charged air piping yeah so if we've had those boots and clamps off one thing you may want to start with is just like a stealth boost tester bolt up to the compressor right right to the compressor cover of the turbocharger and let's pressurize that whole charged air system make sure we don't have any leaks because another another cause to all of these symptoms could just be that you got a boost leak so if you put the tuning on you put all this piping on together that could run you up into a situation where, where you're not going to be happy with everything. And with the newer trucks, with the emissions, boost leaks are a very crucial piece to the operation of the truck as a whole. It, it's like when we used to talk about with like pre-emissions trucks. Like If you have a boost leak, you might not notice it stock, and then you add power, and you're going to really yep. notice that boost leak. And emissions equipment is kind of like another multiplier there where it's yep. like, well, if, if you have a stock truck with emissions equipment, your truck's going to kind of hide that problem from you. Yep. And if you watch regen and fuel mileage real close, you might see it. Yep. Then you add power on top of it's that, just gonna and multiply. it's just, it's out so of control. Let's, let's, let's go on a different side of this now, right? Boost check's clear. Truck's mechanically sound. Returns the truck to stock. The truck starts to act somewhat normal. Sure. What other options are there, right? Yeah, I mean, I mean, you know me. I mean, we're we're here at Duramax Tuning. We're going to talk immediately about custom tuning. That's uh, our wheelhouse. Th- that's it, right? And, and and we also we have a ton of data around yep. soot accumulation with an L5P. We have a ton of data around lambda control, so measuring air fuel ratio and limiting the truck based on air fuel ratio. It's not just about adding power. It's about adding power in a way that you're going to be able to use it on the road without going into regen every 60 miles. Yeah, so I think one of the things that's going to separate some custom tuning, right? Now, all not all custom tuning is equal, right? Certain sure. tuning companies offer certain creature comforts and values and, and, and safety modes and things like that. But one of the things that we've always focused on, like you mentioned, is as we are increasing the power output, we want to be able to make that throttle more linear. We want to do all the things that other companies market, right? Yeah. All these gains. But we want to be able to do so in a way where the truck not only picks up power, but it picks up efficiency the truck is going to pick up efficiency when you are able to uh, reliably or efficiently make more power through a wider rpm window while being able to control the afr like you had mentioned air fuel ratio working with lambda limitation which is what we have the ability to do with our custom tuning being able to communicate with the entire ecm that's right yeah you know i always used to think of box programmers as like tricking the engine yep. into giving more fuel and tricking the engine into making more boost or, or tricking the engine into having a more sensitive throttle whereas in with tuning you're actually you're reshaping that factory calibration to get the results you want uh with the l5p and i think i can safely say now all duramaxes have switch on the fly tune there might be a couple of brand new like 2.8 liters yeah. that don't have it yet uh but all, all the duramaxes that we tune uh besides those those few all have switch on the fly so you're also able to go from one tune to the next and have it be a, a an actually different overall result and feeling of how the truck feels to drive uh so i think that like gains in the horsepower well, knowing what soda accumulation looks like these are the reasons why i know like why I'm a valid believer in custom tuning yeah. There's versus a box There's also a, a program. big thing as we're talking about, you know, cleaning up AFR. The truck, you know, it is getting, currently his truck is getting really low fuel mileage, but the truck's also regening multiple times through a tank of fuel. Like, that. that's dosing more fuel. That's trying to get yep. the catalyst hot. Like, there are so many variables and so many moving components with what's going on here. 
But again, if we make sure that we're working on an even playing field, making sure there's no boost leak check, uh, boost leaks in the air charge system, making sure that the truck is is operating efficiently, correctly stock, putting a tune on the truck should not have a negative effect on the outcome of how the truck operates. That's right. Yep. On soda accumulation or miles yep. per gallon. So I'm with you there. Uh, all right, man. Well, that was a fun one. I'm really glad. Thank you again for sending that in to us, David. Uh, Douglas Orwick, uh, you're up next. Uh, let's see. Uh, he he had asked us, uh, can a 2010 to 2012 Ram be tuned to the efficiency of a 2013 to 18? The early 6.7s have a bad reputation for economy, dosing fuel to control NOx, and frequent regens. If the DPF is addressed, uh, newer or aftermarket replacement, and turbo upgraded, another common issue, is the tuning potential there? I see the early fourth gens with low miles on occasion and thought that with tuning and some performance mods, they would still be less money than, than the late fourth gen. But would they be comparable in reliability and MPGs? I rarely tow and never heavy. Thanks. Um, okay, 10 to 12s. So 10 to 12, Cummins, Chris, no def? No DEF, right. No so DEF. DPF, EGR, no DEF, um, which is going to be a little bit of one of the topics here. Um, definitely a little bit of an upgrade, right, as far as ECM sophistication goes sure. from the 6.7 third gen. Um, but I, I think that to answer this question directly, there's two parts, okay? Because we have definitely played with the 10 to 12 trucks, and they have proven to be fairly a promising platform. But these trucks are starting to go up in age. So to get your hands on a truck, um, ensuring that it's a lower mileage, mechanically sound, decent, you know, maintenance history, that's key to making this work. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the emissions in the truck's operation isn't as desired as what I would like to see out of, like, really the 15 to 18s. 13 to 14s definitely a step in the right direction, but the, the 15 pluses are the icing on the cake. Those are the bee's knees, in my opinion. Um, but like I said, I mean, we've learned a lot in what the calibration looks like and how we play with the ECMs on the the ECM called the CME, which is the uh, the 13 to 18. Right. And we've been able to take some of that technology and things that we've learned and implement that into the 10 to 12 trucks um, to really make those trucks respond and react and drive nicely. Um, the turbo piece, that's its own, <laughs> that's its own issue altogether, of course. Yeah. Um, but... You know, it's 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 a toss up because how many nice lower mileage 10 to 12 trucks are there like that? That's like finding an 07 and a half to 09 truck that is like fairly virgin cherry. Like it's just they, they're I guess they're out there, just not very plentiful. Right. Yeah. And, and to me, if, if I was going to pull the cost of the project out of it. Right. And I was just going to say, could I get the truck to be as efficient as 13 to 18? Well, you, you know, we had mentioned no death. So death combats nox emissions yep. without def you have to use a lot more egr yep. just that, that that's no, what it is no way around that so so when we use more egr a lot of guys think that that's going to hurt fuel consumption it, there's a slight impact on it i pr would guess that's probably not where our biggest cost on mpgs are no. or overall operating temperature egr egr actually will help reduce piston temperature yep. so 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 that part's not a problem. Now, they did update the EGR design and the DPF design going from 10 to 12 into the 1318 models. So, so like, you couldn't just take a 1318 and right, bolt and it swap up, it right? Over. Like, they are they are slightly different, and they're, they're always getting better. Um, I do think you could set the truck up. I think it probably would be some sort of, like, an emissions-equipped twin kit, which I know is what you had on your yeah. uh, CME. Um, but yeah, I, I think if you were into like an emissions equipped twin kit, that would really help with that, that air fuel efficiency. Yeah. I mean, there's and then you could go a little bit further with the truck to, to get it up there. There's not really a lot of that type of stuff, Paul. There's so not, there's not. I think, I think one of the big things here for Douglas is if you wanted to make a 500, 550 horse truck, reliable emissions equipped, I, I do feel that that is doable with single turbo options sure. and tuning technology. If you're looking to get to that next step and you want to get into compounds and you want to get in all these things, it's a different story. Um, but I also think that, you know, the, the 10 to 12 trucks, there's going to be a cap. Okay. There's going to be a cap for power where we've learned a lot in the 13 to 18s. That is an extremely promising platform. We've proven that on many, many trucks over the years, um, you know, including the, you know, the 15 yeah. for that. Um, 
it's just it, it's going to be a toss up. It's going to be a toss up. And, and that's why I would say here, Douglas, is your question was on. Could we get it comparable in reliability and MPGs? Yes. To a, but to a 13 think, to 18 stock. But I think it would be more of an investment than what it would be to buy a 13 to 18, yeah. would, would be my guess. Now, no, I'm not running any numbers here, but that's what my gut would say. Um, cool, man. I think I think that was another good one. Thank yeah. you so much, Douglas, for reaching out to us with that. Shane Marsh, uh, we had your message up next. Yeah. Uh, Chris, you want to take this one? Yeah. So I listened to your podcast and think it's great. Thanks for doing it. I bought an 01 Duramax 3500 four-door dually. It has 180,000 miles, um, and it's used occasionally to tow 10,000 pounds or less. And uh, I would like to get around 450 to 500 horsepower. Um, the truck has new injectors and injector pump. They were done at 15,000 miles, and the motor and transmission are completely stock. What would you guys recommend to make the truck last? This truck was owned by a family member since 2002. Hasn't been abused. Um, I love these. I love, 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 love these. So I would say over the course of the last couple of years, I have been working with more guys in this position than ever before. And that's, they found a nice truck, a solid foundation. They want to give that truck a second life. They want to turn it up to compete with some of the newer style trucks, sure. uh, but they don't want to break the bank, right? They don't want that thousand fifteen hundred dollar truck payment a month. Yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, unless you have a hundred thousand dollars lying around, which if you do, I'm jealous, uh, <laughs> you know? Um, so this, this is a unique situation because how often do we find these trucks, man? Well, you know what's what's funny is I love the story on this of like I know who's owned this yep. since 2002 and that's like almost that's the diamond the and the rough that thing. Last, that's the diamond and the right? rough thing, man. That's how you're going to find them because if you're on uh, marketplace or or whatever and you're looking for for an LB7, yeah. uh, your options are going to feel a little bit grimier. Let's just go with that. Uh, yeah. Now, now in this case also Chris this is something that again we've actually we have a ton of content uh, on the podcast and at Duramax Tuner specifically about this situation. Yep. But I thought it's, it's always a great topic to bring back up. So I thought there was two ways to look at this. Number one, we know that if this was in the real world and we we're having a conversation, either you or I, we would have a lot more questions before we could right. start giving specific answers. So I thought we would just kind of play out some general stuff and then talk a little bit about who that would apply for. Yeah, so right? I think I, I think the first, uh, the first part I want to address here for Shane is you know that that 450 to 500 horsepower number is is tough because realistically when we talk about these trucks they make about 280 to 90 stock to the rear tire okay um, so there is what i would call stock trans power level which would be about 400 horsepower to the rear tire so about 110 120 out. over yep. stock and then there's you build the transmission and you either limit yourself to the factory turbo or you throw a turbo into the mix and potentially have the ability to make more but you don't necessarily need to tune it to make that right okay um so I would break this down. It's do you want 400 horsepower or do you want 500 plus horsepower? Here are the benefits. Here are the downfalls. This is what you get. Yeah, and and I think for most guys, this is going to run up into a cost question. Yeah, right. Yeah. Because let let's start with a stock trans. So if, so so the reason we break it off at a transmission is because the transmission is like your weak point. If you want more power, your truck won't put more power to the ground. You will. It'll be. It'll be very problematic yep. to try to throw a 500 horsepower tune on a stock LB7 transmission. Now, it's just the other not going to be good. The other thing that throws a little wrench in this is a lot of times there's the misperception of I have a 500 horsepower truck. I tow with that. That, that. That's not the case on one of these because there's the cooling capacity of the engine and the radiator stack and all these other ancillary things that come into play. So. For a truck making 400 horsepower versus a truck making 500 horsepower, you're still going to be towing at a lower power level, and those power levels really aren't that different from a built trans and a stock trans. So sure. I always kind of do things in stages. So let, let's kick it off, Paul. 400 horsepower, bone stock truck, you want to do 400 wheel stock trans. What do those parts look like? Yeah, I mean, of course, we're always going to start with tuning, right? right? Because that's going to give you the most bang for your buck. That's going to be where you put a part on the truck today and you, you're done installing it and you drive it and you are immediately and forever going to be happy that you made that upgrade, oh, 100%. period. 100%. So, so we always start with tuning. Now, there's other things that we can do that are going to be about power. And then, and then there's a path more on this level that we're actually going to be talking about supporting mods. So we just want to keep the truck healthy and safe over that amount of time. Because to be honest with you, tuning 
equals 400 horsepower. Yeah. Uh, so, so you technically don't need anything else. However, I would recommend for your truck, regardless of where you live or what you do with it, so towing, drag racing, I don't care, put a lift pump on it. Put I mean, a cold air intake on it. I mean, let, let, why, right? The lift yeah. pump, you have 15,000-mile injectors and injector pumps. Having the ability to support fuel going to that system is huge. That's where the lift pump comes in, better filtration water separation. That, right? And that filtration, to me, especially if you're at 400 horsepower, yeah, the best it, insurance it, policy, it, man. it really is, right? It's yep. the best way to know that you could put fuel in at any station, your fuel station could change hands and get sold to somebody else, whatever, yep. yada, yada. You're always going to be protecting your your fuel system, yep. which is very expensive. And if your fuel system is only 15,000 miles old, Take you know that. that. <laughs> you, you know what that cost was. Uh, you don't want to incur it again early. Now, I think the intake horn um, and a boost increase valve, right? Those Ooh, are probably yeah. two things that go hand in hand hey, for me. Hey, now let, let, me, let me ask you this. Do you remember LB7 cutting the bottom out, homemade cold air intakes? Yeah, I did it. Did it, 100%, yeah. right? Um, dude, it works. I, I will just say, if you're straight up on a budget and you're straight like, I cannot... I cannot spend a dime. I don't absolutely have to. I like the way you put that. I mean, if it was me, it, do it's, it. It's the tune. It's the intake uh, horn, and it's a boost increase valve. Um, I would before I recommend an exhaust and an intake to someone, do the lift pump personally. Yeah, right That's my that. my idea. No brainer. But what's awesome with all these things is is let's say Shane wanted to do this in stages, and his trans was the end goal. He wanted 500 horse. All these parts work for it. Right. All these parts are going to be needed to grow in the yeah, future. Yeah, yeah. No, well, and that's what I love, too, about supporting mods sometimes, right? It's like you're doing these things to keep the truck safe. Like the reason we do a cold air intake and an intake horn is because we want to get as much cold air into the truck yep. as possible because that's going to help us with air fuel ratio, especially with a non-VGT turbo, meaning that we just get whatever the physical mechanics of the turbo gives us for yep. air fuel ratio. Like we don't have a ton of control over that. We want to put ourselves in the best situation at all times. Yep. Uh, so getting cold air in matters, right? And then and then we hit the up pipes. Now now I listed up pipes here. I honestly would never do up pipes on a stock truck unless they were blown. That's because it, the tran you either <laughs> you, you you're definitely going to have to drop the trans. Uh, and you're probably going to have to pull the turbo out. Just realistically, anybody I know doing an I up mean, pipe job a is truck and a truck this old. Like you're going to break up pipes off, <laughs> up pipe happen, bolts dude. off from the turbo. I'm right there with you. I would not do up pipes unless either a you were doing the trans, or if you're ever doing a turbo, you're a you're not thinking straight if you don't do the up yeah, pipes because yeah, you're right there. Right there. <laughs> You'd be um, crazy not to. But yeah, I would so, say if these you're bellows, doing the turbo, these bellows, especially this truck is this old. They start to rust out, man. Yep. So even if you're not running high amounts of boost to them. If the truck's been on the road, you've been anywhere that there's been salt and shit like that. Like they just they start to wear. Yep. Uh, so, so before you blow them, uh, that's a good time to do it. Uh, and then yeah, and then now now we're gonna circle back. So do you need traction bars at a 400 horsepower truck? Probably not. No. Probably I know, and and D Jason would probably shoot me if he heard me say this. There is axle wrap on stock trucks. It totally is possible. If you're going to be out and being young and having fun with your truck, go get the set of traction bars. Again, it's another yep. safety thing. Um, they're not going to be required for your, like, you know, my 70-year-old dad who just drives to the grocery store is right. not going to need traction. But just realistically, he's not. Um, but once you do the transmission, which is our next step. Then the traction bars. I mean, now you're getting now, to that now, five. Now, again, you should do it. You, you just you right. should do it. Now, some of you know that you need to do it, but all of you should do it, yeah. right? Um I want to throw some some numbers, some general ballpark numbers, because I don't want this to turn into like a Duramax tuner commercial, but just so like people have an idea of what they cost. Chris, before we get to the transmission, what do you think is a reasonable amount of money to spend on on the kind of general parts we we suggested? I mean, there? depending on the product, the manufacturing of the product, things like that, you're probably going to be in, I would say. Twenty five hundred bucks, twenty five hundred bucks, twenty eight hundred bucks in parts. That's doing it all the right way with the proper supporting mods. That's the lift pump, you know, a good tuner. Yeah. That's that twenty five hundred dollar budget will get you that reliable four hundred wheel horsepower if the truck is maintained and is mechanically sound prior to doing it. That's right. That's right. And hey, uh, a set of gauges. I had forgot to put that on our list yep. as well. But that, that's a that's another one that. Everybody should have it. Uh, it's just it's not a good a necessity, idea. but it's a good insurance policy, yeah. just like the lift pump. Yeah, yep. exactly. Uh, so, the, so then we get to the transmission. A transmission is going to run you four to seven thousand dollars, depending yeah, on how depending, crazy and wild you want to yeah. get with it. Shipping, install, cost, all that stuff. It all plays a factor. It's a it's a big investment, especially when we're talking about an LB7. Yep. 
I know the values of LB, LB7s. <laughs> yeah. At some point, you're you're going to have more wrapped up into upgrades than the cost of the truck if you're not careful. Yeah, no. Right? So know what you're doing with it. Know what your plan is with it. That's why I had said at the top of this one, like, realistic, before we talked to anybody or gave any advice, we would There's have a asked a questions. ton of questions. Yeah. How are you going to use the truck? Who else is going to drive the truck, right? Like, what's the long-term plan for the truck? Hey, if you do all of these upgrades we're talking about and, and the – it, it shorts a rod what are you going to do right right like like you should think those things out uh because there are some limits to these trucks that especially once we get after this built trans power level and we start adding turbos and we start talking about fuel systems it's like we start walking up to a very expensive line, line yep. right um so yeah so after the transmission chris i think you would agree with me that's your time you're ready for a turbo yep Unless you have to do the fuel system, I mean, which your truck hopefully won't. Yeah. I mean, there's um, also those situations where the factory turbo fails today and he doesn't have a built trans. Well, <laughs> then we throw a turbo at it now in preparation for what that future looks like. That's setting the foundation, not spending money twice. Yeah. So, granted, no one plans for these parts to fail prematurely. So, we're just assuming that everything runs correctly. Exactly. So. Exactly. And, and, and we have. We've seen all of these mismatched in order. Um so, so, so I think that is a good point about like what's next. All right, guys, uh, we got one more for you today. Before we dive into that, I'm going to do an early announcement, and I buried this way down into the episode, Chris, that like only it. our hardcore fans would know about it. We have very early rumors, and they are confirmed, that there is going to be a huge 4th of July sale at DuramaxTuner.com. Uh, yeah, uh, I don't want to speak too much on what that all consists of. Let's just say tuning and turbos are definitely going to be on sale for, for, for 4th of July. Uh, if you already have talked to somebody over at Duramax Tuner in the past, this would be a great time to send that person an email. Uh, or make sure you go over and follow the Facebook page, the Instagram page, the TikTok, the YouTubes, whatever it is. Yep. Uh, there will be announcements everywhere coming up very, very soon. So, all right, uh, I just wanted to throw that shameless plug in there one time, and then we got our very last one for the day, Chris. Matthew Heiser. Yeah, give me this one. I like it. Hey, guys, love the show um, and the broad variety in, of content that you guys cover. Um, I've got a topic that might be worth discussing on the podcast, and I'm sure uh, would reach many of your listeners. I know I could use somewhat of an explanation i currently have purchased an edge insight cts3 for my 16 lml because everything about the cts2 is just old and laggy like comparing dial-up internet to 5g as i was scrolling through all of the new layouts gauge features and pids uh, that the cts3 has to offer i became overwhelmed with options and basically came to the conclusion that I don't even know why the hell I bought another one of these damn things other than to say that I have one and maybe a code reader every now and then. I have uh, I have the Edge EAS EGT probe, boost gauge, as well as fuel pressure gauge for my Fast 165. But aside from those functions, I have no clue what I'm looking for or at. Um, what do I need to actually keep an eye on? What are some common things that regularly monitor uh, on these devices when utilizing your truck as a daily? Also, your opinion on the CTS-3 and or versus the CTS-2. First and foremost, uh, Matthew, um, I'm going to throw something in the mix here and make myself sound dated. If if you think that the CTS-2 versus CTS-3 is dated, you don't want to look at a fucking CTS-1. Oh. <laughs> right? Remember freezing? Man. Remember I'm freezing yeah, and I, oh, I just, don't miss you know, that. I, I love the CTS-2s. I still think they're very new looking because my foundation for 10 years was a one yeah right so everything is better than the than the one but yeah. uh there's which by the way the one is still better than probably most of the other gauges that i've looked at oh right there. yeah there's like, there's like, there's again no comparison. we're not trying to bash on edge no. by any means they have absolutely the best digital they crushed gauge it setup for they these crushed trucks. it they crushed it they crushed it there's so many amazing things with with that unit which we're going to talk about yeah right? yeah and um, i want to dive in i want to dive in at the top of this one because like first of all do you need gauges I, we just talked about this right uh my suggestion is yes i don't care what you do with your truck even the grocery getters put a set of gauges on it now well i think Real quick, Go. there there is a gentleman that I'm I'm emailing back and forth with right now, and uh, he has an LBZ, and we just did some tuning on his truck, and very 
very uh, intelligent, very, uh, he puts a lot of thought into the emails that he sends, and he did an analysis of how his truck was operating with the tune under a certain workload going up a grade with 9,000 pounds behind him. Um, What I'm doing with this rambling is, is it's nice to know what your truck does when it's 60 degrees out. That way you know what to expect when it's 100 degrees out, okay? There is a functionality of how the truck responds and reacts, and that is going to be severely based on temperature outside, workload, and where you're located, okay? So is it smart to watch your boost pressures every day? I mean, every day, probably not. Like, I would be calling the kettle black. I don't have gauges in my truck, but I have had gauges in my truck for a very, very long time. And my truck, for example, has little things like on my dash I can watch oil temp, trans temp, coolant temp, which I monitored those things when I had gauges in the truck, and I still to this day monitor it even when I'm driving the truck empty. Yeah, okay? absolutely. So to this point, uh, I think it's really, really nice to have that understanding of what the truck does empty, what it does loaded, what it does stock, what it does with a tune. It allows you to be more in tune with the truck and be a more aware driver in case something were to happen. Right. And this is why we said earlier, I mean, putting gauges on your truck is a no brainer. Uh, You're no matter how you use it, there is going to be a benefit. And it's also it's a lot cheaper to put a set of gauges on there and know something is about to go wrong than it is to get a tow truck and have the truck towed one time. So like it's literally a no brainer. Now, one of the one of the fights we used to have again way back in the day dating myself here was uh, analog pillar gauges versus digital gauges. And nowadays, especially with like easy link uh and everything else out there it's just less and less common for me to see pillar gauges yeah. and analog gauges they well, the do cost still of exist them, man. i mean the cost of them i mean you can definitely perfect little you know side bit here we have a customer in house who has a set of glow shift gauges well for any guys out there you can go on ebay and buy a set of glow shift gauges with the pillar for like 200 bucks 300 bucks super super cheap right yeah um all things considered for what other pillar and, and three sure. gauges cost um his his trans temp gauge is 70 degrees off so <laughs> his trans his his temperature reading on his gauge is showing us 160 the the, the transmission's 220 degrees 230 Oof. degrees so and he just went through a failed transmission we're doing the r and r we're getting the truck yeah, back yeah, up on the road yeah. and now we're learning this stuff so it's one of those things where I've always liked the edge units specifically because they are communicating with the same sensors that we use when we tune. Well, and, and so so we've had arguments about this for years. So EGT probes, because usually you most trucks you have to put uh, older trucks, you're, you're definitely going to have to put your own EGT probe in there. And EGT probes don't last because if you put them into the right location, yep. it's really hot all the time and it eventually will fail. That's just like we're so used to that that it's just commonplace for us. But I think a lot of guys are surprised. Uh, nowadays, any emissions equipped truck has factory EGT probes, and we've learned what the relationship between a post turbo EGT and a manifold EGT are. So, so we, a little bit less requirements on the aftermarket gauges. As you modify your truck further, uh, your factory sensors become less useful. Yep. So, if you're the guy who down the road is going to run some ridiculous turbo and a fuel system setup and yada, yada, you're going to make big horsepower. Well, actually, uh, you probably might look at like a data logger and then you could run uh, analog gauges, right? Like sled yep. pull guys probably aren't going to be looking at an edge monitor while they're running down the track because they can't look at that many different gauges at one time. They only need to see three things. Uh, yep. And EGT is probably not one of them. So, so who needs an analog gauge? Probably only, in my opinion, only a real hardcore big build would be interested in analog gauges at this point like you mentioned chris the cost comparison to go analog or digital it's just it's hard hard for me in my head to rationalize also i'll say i'm six foot tall guys who put pillar gauges in i don't like it please stop doing it i bump my head on them all the time i don't know if i'm getting in and out of the truck wrong but it's yeah, probably i'm also losing some some vision there that that i could well, I, I could definitely use instead of running over that bicyclist the problem, again. yeah well the, the problem is is you got to stop licking the window well, you I don't. Once you do that, I'm sorry. I thought this was America. <laughs> <laughs> but we're, we're getting off topic here. here so, what is. are some of the good PIDs to monitor with an edge specific unit? Okay. Um, what I like, I just want to point out here that he has the secondary pressure uh, probe. So he has so lift smart. pump pressure. 
which so very smart. rare to find that. Good. Um, what a good I idea. mean, I generally don't even recommend guys do that because you can monitor rail pressure. How many times have we asked for it during troubleshooting? Though no, it's like we know it, nobody has it, right? But it's it's smart, but it would right? be helpful if um, you did. So that is awesome. Having the EGT probe, so now he has an actual manifold reading on top of whatever the factory sensor yeah. reading is, which is smart. Um, and then he has a, a boost a boost gauge in there. Um, but one of the things that stick out to me, there's there's two major PIDs that I want to look at here. Um, for one, that's DPF load, so soot load. Okay, so you can monitor soot grams building up in the DPF yeah, and regeneration frequency. I think that's called DPF soot too. I believe something is, is like one that. Of what this it's been a while. Yeah. That that for any LML guy, it's huge. I love it. I think it's a smart move. It's a, it's a good direction to be to. in. Um, but one of the main ones here too is is fuel pressure, uh, which is going to be rail pressure. So high pressure. This is what your injector pump is pressurizing through the rail to the injector. But there's more. With the edge, you can monitor what the ECM is telling the truck, which is the command, versus the actual, which is what the pump is actually pressurizing the rail to be. That's right. And what's nice with this is, is guys will call in and they'll go, well, what's my fuel pressure supposed to be? <laughs> I don't know. Well, you're, you're Duramax Tuner. You should know. And then you have to go into this educational piece of, well, fuel pressure is, is, is basically a, a byproduct of load. Full fuel volume, MM3, throttle position, RPM, all these different things. So being able to see what the ECM is telling the truck to do and then being able to match that with what the actual is, that, that cuts that question out of the equation, and now you know what the truck should be doing. That's right. And I'll also make a, a, a solid recommendation here that probably will seem obvious once I say it, and that's put these two right on top of each other. Oh, 100%. So one should be, like, like usually what I would like to see is, your desired or your command uh, on top, yep. and then your actual right underneath it, so that when you're looking at them, there's a relationship. That's what Chris is talking about. Is we want to see the relationship between these two. Hey, and listen, gonna, if you're if you're change a little 800 bit, psi a off, while, off you, it's while you're not a big deal. while you're fluctuating, yep. not a big deal. So so what what somebody like Nick would call transient throttle response. Yep. So if I'm if I'm moving the the throttle pedal. And I'm seeing that delta change. That's fine. Yep. But if I'm holding steady on flat ground, doing the same thing, and it's been they've been right on top of each other within 10 psi of each other, Amazing. something ridiculous Amazing. like that. And then all of a sudden, one drops off. Uh, that something's wrong, yep. right? So like that's a real easy one to watch. Uh, Chris, you know one I I actually recommend guys to watch on these, and it's only probably the newer guy. Like if you're new to diesel, if this is your first use, you're coming up from a gasser. Uh, maybe you don't have a ton of towing experience. Sounds dumb. I always have them put the the gear on so that they can see when the converter's locking. See, I like that one. Um, I think that's a smart. The TCL is what the yeah. PID is called. Love that. Um, I'm going to throw an even dumber one out there. Uh, throttle position. Yeah. So there's a lot of guys <laughs> in the years that I've been doing this that would consider themselves very. Um, I hot very, rod it. No, like they're, oh, I drive the truck easy, and then you get into a test drive with them, and you're praying for dear life. It's, so Well, we always see the opposite, right? Yep. The guy who tells you I hot rod my truck, you jump in, you he look at his like log, and you're like, bro, yep. you never never got over 40% yep. throttle yep. input. <laughs> so that's that's one where I would say, like, you know what? It's smart. It's These might sound like dumb things to bring up, guys, but these are things that allow you as an operator to be more in tune with the truck. Sure. And I remember myself years ago, Nick, telling me these things and i'm like dude this dude's a drag like this is so stupid <laughs> i just want to see boost but now it's one of those things where you know after so many data logs going to him and, and tuning my own trucks and doing yeah. those things it's really nice to be in tuned like when you're towing ten thousand pounds how aggressive are you pushing the truck yes the truck makes the power but how hard are you pushing the truck to make that power well, well, and, and I think one of the things that really was an eye opener for me was was talking to Jamie Curley, um, and him saying like, you know, I really would just prefer to not have to watch the gauges. Like, I want I want to have the gauges, but I would really like to just watch them until I feel comfortable with my truck, yeah. and then never look at them again because I trust that my truck is going to do what it's supposed to do. Yeah. It's like gauges really matter the most when something's wrong, but the only way you're going to know that something's wrong is if you spent that time early on when yeah. everything was right yeah. watching this stuff and, and looking at this stuff and knowing where this stuff is at. Listen, so that, that piece, that education isn't something that you pick up on. That's something that you either 
you pay for and learn over time. And what I mean by that is, is any of our listeners have a premature failure and you question how that failure took place. You now understand what we're talking about, right? Someone that's new to diesel, we're going to preach until we're blue in the face. They're going to call us idiots (laughs) until there is a problem. And then they're going to once again, understand that value and that knowledge. Then it's game on. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Hey guys, we know a lot of you out there don't have an LML uh, and you still want to know what gauges to watch on your trucks. Uh, So we hit, I think everything we hit there That's would be applicable yeah. across all That's all vehicle platforms. Across all platforms. You know, DPF and soot load that varies from manufacturer to yep. manufacturer. Even some even, goes uh, uh, DPF pressure. Sure. Well, is one. well, I was just going to say like we measure soot grams for the LML and the LMM, but we measure percent load on the L5P. Yep. So so the the actual function may may change a little bit or even parameters or how but we the, measure it a lot of times too i know there. we talk about fuel pressure and psi there's a lot of guys who talk about it in kpa, KPA. Yep. i don't care it I'm, does if not you're matter cool with it, <laughs> as long as you're monitoring it right what we're talking about is the relationship the content right so so we want to know what is my dpf doing uh egr activity when i had the the on the Beamer, I had this CTS in there, and I would watch EGR activity. I actually took that PID off because it did nothing but make me angry, yeah. um, and I didn't. I didn't care. It didn't matter, right? Like, like. Well, but I watched it for a long time, so I knew if something would go wrong, I was like, okay, at there least are I could so pull this many, back up and reference. And it. that's the thing, because we we still have to answer what what edge is better on this, right? But yeah. the one thing I do want to point out is. The edge unit is a tool that is also going to be something that can be dangerous because there is so much information there (laughs) that a lot of guys don't care about that the guys that are doing tuning that are trying to understand the dynamic of the truck from start to finish as they're operating. Like if you ever get into a truck that Nick has been doing R&D on and you look at the PIDs, there's some nerdy ass stuff on there. (laughs) And it's it's not that it's useful to him. Sure. But. Watching EGR percentage to most guys, not a big deal. Watching post-injection timing isn't much of a big deal to some guys, but to someone like Nick, when he's going through the R&D, understanding and feeling the truck, it is a big deal. Sure. So so for you end users, uh, my general rule of thumb is that if you don't even know what it's about, you don't need it, period. Be- because if you don't even know what the pit is about, if you don't even know what part of the truck it's referencing – you're not going to learn anything from it. So knowing that that number is with or within or without a spec won't matter, right? Yep. Um, you brought up a good point, Chris. CTS2 or CTS3. Now, we wrote this question down on our, our extensive outline here in, in our, our in-depth planning for the show, uh, but we did not actually discuss where either of us stood on this. So I will I will go shots fired first, and I will say if you already own a CTS2, you do not need a CTS3. I'm sorry, Edge. I love your guys' products. There are definitely upgrades available. So if you want different layouts, if that's important to you, if you want something that's flashier, or a little bit sleeker, if, if you're the guy who will stand in line for an iPhone when they come out, okay, I get it. Uh, but I will say functionally, there's not enough there that for me it would be worth it to to get rid of my CTS-2 and go buy a CTS-3. If I was starting from scratch and I was walking in the door and somebody said, do you want to buy a CTS-2 or do you want to buy a CTS-3, I would make the suggestion buy the newer one. It's probably going to have support for a longer period of time. I mean, the big introduction years back from the CTS-1 to the CTS-2 was the processing, right? And from what I understand, the CTS-3 is a little bit quicker in that aspect. What I also understand, um, listeners quote me if I'm wrong, but... Edge did away with some of the PIDs when they went to the three. I don't know if that's a memory thing or, or what yeah, is going on there. I have heard similar as well. But it's a manufacturing play at the end of the day, whether it's the circuitry, the, the computer chips and the units, you know, whatever that situation is. It's a tough comparison, CTS-2 to CTS-3, because CTS-2s are no longer available. So to your point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, a, if, a if hypothetical, I, right? If I yeah. have a CTS-2... Unless I'm one of those guys that just has to have the newest iPhone, the CTS-2 is going to be great. There's nothing that the 3 can do that the 2 can't. But if you're new into the space and you're pricing things out, well, you really don't have an option. And personally, I think the Edge Insight is the best display on the market. Yeah, by far. Well, I, I, I think I wasn't we would paid be to say hard that. to find somebody to argue with us right. on it. And I wasn't paid to say that. Yeah. So that's a genuine... If you do get paid to say I get half. Uh, a third. You... Sorry, our producer's here. Yeah. Um... Justin will throw you 10. What's up? <laughs> no, but seriously, I it just it, it's a really useful tool. I can't speak is the, Do they have a competitor? 
Is there another I mean, gauge out there that you think is a legit competitor? There, well, there there are a couple. Bully Dog does have a unit that's out. Um, what would, what's the name of it? I couldn't tell you. Okay, but not I think, a competitor. I think the most the most question or the most comparable one would be like the Banks I Dash. Okay, it's okay. it's made a big name for itself. It's very popular. Uh, a lot of times when guys call in with the Derringer pedal com- pedal monster, they they have one or two I dashes. Yeah. There's a lot of good information on those things. I'm not gonna lie. It's just. For me, it's very small. It's hard to monitor. It's hard to look at. I'm not going to bash the iDash at all because no. I do really like Gale There's Banks. There's a lot and, of really cool. Also, we've met a lot of the guys that work over yeah. at Banks Engineering and the engineering and sales and all sorts of different departments. Yes, yes. They're all great people. We, we really do like Banks. But in this comparison, the edge. I really have to say Edge The Edge is the more end-user friendly. It's it more really end-user friendly. Yeah. So, you know, it's just it's it's an all-in-one. It comes at a really affordable price. I mean, there's units that we work with, like the Easy Link, right, where you could use your smartphone device as a gauge display. I would still choose an Edge over your phone or over a smartphone as the gauge display with the Easy Link. Um, that's that's a personal preference. You you bring up one there that I I don't know that that Easy Link that and you've seen some of the stuff we've seen them from GDP and yep. some of the other guys out there have like roll out their own Android yep. whatever smartphones or tablets or whatever they're selling now as gauges for the Easy Link and they're slick they're they are, they're they are. real slick I I have not sat down and played with the one to say which one is more functional right they they look super nice but no the the Edge is like I said it's just it's a turnkey it's reliable they've been out for years their yeah. Edge is is pretty decent with their support on that side of stuff and. You know, yeah. it's just it's it's that it's that product in house that we have dealt with for so long that we know the ins and outs and we've used them. Yeah. And they've never given us an issue otherwise. Absolutely. Well said. Uh, guys, again, if you would like to have more discussions with us, get involved with the show or even maybe beyond the show. Go over and join Fans of Diesel Performance Podcast Facebook group. We would love to hear from you guys there. Uh, also, a big shout-out to our sponsors and, of course, our listeners uh, specifically who reached out to us for today's episode. And you know what, Paul? We need to give a shout-out. We need to give a shout-out to Justin for producing all these. Justin who? Tyson. <laughs> you know, the dude that literally shuts his mic off every time our mics turn on. I know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So Justin Justin Tyson has been on the show yeah, a handful of times. You guys yeah, have heard from yeah. him. And every every podcast, he at least has to listen to it twice. Once live <laughs> and once to edit and to produce it. So that's that's tough. That's it. That's it. Yeah. But let's, let's see some thank you, Justins, out on the Facebook group today. We would really appreciate that. Uh, guys, I also know that that we generally do uh, our section with Jeremy Garnett and with Sean Lynn or Mike Evans uh, out of our team, talking a little bit about the shop and kind of some real world practical applications. Uh, I think for this diesel. episode wrapped all that up, man. I I think what we're going to do is we're going to come back next week and we're going to hit that one really hard. So I think we're going to feature those those two guys again. We're going to pick two of those guys again. We're going to get them on the show. And Chris, this time I'd like to get you in the studio with us. And I think next week is going to be like a real hands on. We're going to grab a problem and we're going to sit down with the four of us and see how much Chris and I can can really fuck it up before those two guys fix it or walk out on us <laughs> for today this has been paul wilson and chris emke thanks for listening want to leave so i can go skateboard